This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Hey, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the center, and the hole! What's up, Bruins fans? Mark Allred here, host of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 177, brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to, beton, dot, uh, go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. We're recording on May 3rd, 2020. Hello, YouTube viewers. I keep mentioning YouTube listeners, but I know you guys have eyes and everything. Um, and, and for the audio folks, please go to Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and do a search for the YouTube channel, which this will be on too. Got the new background. Thank you to my friend Thomas Nystrom. He's the IT guy here at blackandgoldhockey.com. So much, much appreciated the upgrade. I know this the green screen in the back is still a little, I, I need to work on it. So, but we're getting better. Um, but I, I have two great guests returning to the program this week. And uh, before I want to do that, I do want to mention uh, show sponsor betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from the online casino to poker and blackjack. Let BetOnline bring Vegas action to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline.ag has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website and use your mobile device to receive a sweet welcome bonus. And please don't forget to use promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. 
Bet Online, your online wagering solutions. So as I mentioned, now that we get the housekeeping away and paying some of the bills, I have two returning guests that I'm really stoked about. Uh, Chris Blackie is the co-host of the Big Bad Bruins podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Chris underscore Blackie. And also returning is the Bruins Luchador. You can find him on the only TD Garden screen in the building. He is at Luchador on Twitter. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program, guys. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, having us on. Yeah, and I uh, definitely wanted to get you guys both back into the swing. It, it's it's slow, but uh, rock rocking the uh, Big Bad Ruins t-shirt, as you can see here on the YouTube. I but like uh, in in the honor of uh, of you know no, well, it's not an honor. It sucks not having hockey, but we do have to keep the show going, and we we gathered up some topics, uh, and I just wanted to. Kick back, have a pink wit, no uh, free ads, you know, with my with my boys and just talk some brewing. So let's do it. I'm in. All right. Um, so uh, t- I got to talk about the Big Bad Bruins podcast with uh, Ian, Ian Glendon and Chris Blackie, which obviously is, is on today. Uh, Chris, I, I did want to talk about the episode. I'm not sure what number it is. I'm sorry about that. But I do want to talk about your huge opportunity that you had with former NHL player and uh, three-time Stanley Cup champion Mark Recchi. Can you uh, just uh, elaborate on what you guys uh, talked about with Mark uh, earlier this week? Well, it's a lot of fun getting Mark on. He's a really down-to-earth person. Obviously, his career speaks for himself without, without question. We were trying to get him involved in this conversation about his career more so with just the Bruins, and I think we accomplished that. Yeah, it was a fantastic program. Luch, did you uh, did you hear that? Oh, yeah. They asked my question and everything. I could have asked any question in the world, and I asked the terrible one. That's my style. No, it was probably <laughs> the best It was probably the best one, honestly. Everybody laughed at it. Do so you know like, you're awesome? Mark Recky, do you know you're awesome? <laughs> the funny thing is he loved that so much he was laughing like crazy about it he like really it caught him off guard more than anything else because he's thinking okay we're gonna get the run-of-the-mill questions you know the the mundane so to speak and here comes luchador what's it like being awesome and it's, it's thrown for a curve right right from the start but a hell of a nice guy um just a real joy to talk hockey with him and get some backstories like uh the one with Hextall, like I told you, our fair just came, just came out of the clear blue, and uh, it was good to, in like his conversation about Yager with Ann, and the comparison with Crosby and Malkin and Mario, and I mean we had to cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time, even though we weren't on the time limit. So overall, we were both very satisfied the way the episode came out and we just we're trying to do something that's a little bit different than the the common show i mean we have a lot of off the wall banter as you know from listening to it <laughs> now he's got me being 110 at this point but that, that's another story ian's a psychotic goaltender yeah yeah he is <laughs> so we just tried to give some you know the listeners something different to, to hear and hopefully get uh, more guests in the future, everybody. 
Yeah, and that's that. That's going to pave the way to get more. Is is you got to start somewhere. And good on you for reaching out to Mark, and and he was obliged by uh, contacting you back and working it all out. That's really awesome because the, the episode was unbelievable. And to, for me, for myself to get a mention on the program, I mean, I was at work, and it's just you know the the. Uh, the, the, the hairs on the back of my neck stood straight up when I when when you met, when Ian mentioned uh, my name with Mark uh, on the other line, so it was pretty cool, and I appreciate the shout out. Well, yes. you know how I feel about your show and what you guys do, and it's totally deserved. I mean, so for us to do that for you, as much as you supported, it, it was you know it's just it's kind of no big deal for us because we just paying back so to speak but yep. we both re- we both respect you what you guys do for work on the on this uh, on this podcast and, and your website in general is you know you know how i feel absolutely and i appreciate that man that's awesome and it, was, and it was funny because right after uh luchador Luch- got to his question he's like oh thanks for asking them and recky uh was like, yeah he, he, he liked the question so like i said he, he really enjoyed that question Oh, I love it. Just the fact that he knows about my antics now, I can die happy. Right. Well, uh, I'm glad that we could uh, get that question thrown out for you, and he he answered no problem. So, yeah, good times. Awesome. What an interview. What a guy. Yeah, just unreal. Unreal. Um, Before we get to the questions, I just want to, you know, I just want to reach out and just say we're all doing our thing to, to try our best to stay healthy and stay safe and I just want to reach out to you guys because you guys always give me the time to talk something uh, about something that keeps me away from the, the, the narrative of the everyday narrative, the groundhog day crap that's going on. So talking bees with you guys on the Twitter and doing this now is so much appreciated, but I, I just want to reach out to you guys and just, you know, hopefully the best uh, for you and your families uh, throughout this whole ordeal. But um, you know, I got your back on that all, all the way. Awesome. Likewise. Likewise. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's just jump right into some topics, huh? Let's uh, get a little happy. Uh, earlier this week, uh, actually yesterday, Saturday, Yaroslav Halak signed a one-year deal worth $2.5 million uh, on May 2nd. Uh, he made 2.7 during these last two seasons in Boston. Thoughts on Yaro coming back for one more season? Possibly, what does it do to the um, the development in the crease uh, down in Providence and, and Atlanta? Uh, what, what are we looking at here? You want to take it, Luchador? Yeah, I'll take it. I love it. I think he's been great. I love the money. That little bit of shaving off will help with uh, next year's uh, cap because <laughs> it's going to be a little lower. Um, I think he's a great backup. I think he pushes Tilka, and then when it's his time, he does well. Uh, the season, not this year, last year he had a great season. I mean, we've been lucky with backups lately. Hudobin did us well, and now he's doing us well. I'm glad, and I hope it helps with the Tory Krug signing. Chris? Yeah, to me, it's a solid, a solid signing for the Bruins. Halak is very one of your better backup goalies it reminds me of a modern day reggie and andy from back in the day old school yeah with the nice stock old school someone who actually remembers remembers <laughs> the old school that like in the end it's like you, you know that but are you yeah. calling out the old guy too or what 
<laughs> I should call his call him out as much as he always gives me grief all the time. <laughs> but I love the sign. And now my question to you is: you're way more tuned in with the Providence, well, the Bruins prospects in general. Do you think this is a way of protecting one of their prospects from the Seattle expansion? Is that even possible? Well, the uh, the whole Seattle thing is happening next next year. So, um, regardless, it, it's it's kind of weird um, the way that whole thing's going to work out. He signed a one year deal, so obviously it's next year. Um, but after the summer's over, and by the time Seattle's going to end up doing their their expansion draft, he could be a UFA at that point. If anybody's yeah. going to be exposed that you want to do, I would assign him for a two year deal mm-hmm. at the same amount of money. That way you can expose him that, that last year of his contract. So I don't know how this is all going to work out, but the sad part to me is, and, and this kills me. And it's just because a lot of the Bruins fans don't get a chance to watch the Providence Bruins. And I'm not saying I, I do. I, I mean, I have an addiction to it, but, um, you really got to pay attention to this team and these players because this is the time that Dan Vladar is like really playing well. And I know it's a small sample size from December 1st till the shutdown, but what I saw there was unbelievable. And, and I know it's, I know it's small, but that I think that he needs a year, but that makes me nervous because after that, he'll be a third year pro now third year pros can can be exposed. It's not about your NHL games. You can, I mean, even even back when Vegas was happening, there was a rumor that they were going to take Malcolm Subban because he was a third year pro at that period. So there's a lot of variables on this whole freaking Seattle thing that I'm not particularly an expert at, but I could see some significant players going. And if you go by the nine rule, which you go, all right, so. You go one goalie, uh, three defense, and five forwards. That still leaves a ton of this roster, and you're developing core down in, in, in Providence exposed to Seattle. So it all remains to be seen, obviously, but, I mean, that's kind of my unprofessional, uh, you know, comment on that. I'm not really good at this whole expansion thing because it's not something that happens all the time that's repetitive for me. Right. It's pretty complicated. That's why I leave leave it up to other people who know what's going on with that to deal with, and I'll just read it. Luch, what do you think about the expansion draft and that talk? Uh, I like it. I think Seattle's going to work. I think Seattle needs hockey. Uh, It's a big enough market. I just don't like losing players. Um. And, and yeah, out of the three of us, I'm probably the least smart. So I'm definitely waiting for other people to write more about it so I can learn about it. But uh, is it going to be the same guidelines as uh, the way Vegas did it pretty much? Or Yeah, I believe it is the same. All right. So certain amount of total players or a certain amount from eight. All right. uh, it's going to be tough. And then, I don't know. I wish Vegas took Subban way back in the day. I know that. I just didn't want to interrupt you. No oh, problem. God. Um, I'm into it. It's another stadium for me to act wild at. <laughs> I just uh, hope they don't take anybody I like too much. You know, you can only protect so many people. 
Well, I mean, who did we lose to Vegas? Colin Miller. You didn't miss that too much. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. I liked Kevin Miller. I wish he didn't get injured. It was one yeah. of the Millers was going. Yeah. And I preferred Kevin. This was before we knew he was getting injured all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This you is know, before he, so, had the, he was, he was uh, the second heir to McGlass. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't too uh, mad who, with who they got last time. So we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, yeah. So, good deal. Um, it does. I mean, I thought for sure uh, he was gonna want a lot, hell of a lot more than that. Um, and and I thought for sure that he was gonna wait till the open market because his agent is Alan Walsh, and Alan's been one of those types of agents that likes to go right to the end and and enforce the hand of the the organization to to make a move. And and more or less, it's a drastic one because he's looking at probably like. 10 or 15% of that contract that's going to go in his pocket as an agent. So uh, it's all about business. I get it. But um, I'm, I'm kind of thrilled at this. He, these are the types of things that Don Sweeney's been a master at lately. I mean, he just, he, he looks at those deals and just says, listen, we have a winning culture here. And if you want to stay here and try to win, you have to do it under the, uh, the cap restraints and you have to work with me. So if you need somebody like a right winger, they should be going out and getting a right winger to help out on the Krejci line, even though Krejci's only going to be around one year. Sorry, Chris. I know you're <laughs> – but, but, you know, it's, it's, you still have to address certain moves. You can't I, – I wouldn't want to be a general manager in today's game and live up to that cap all the time without having options like that. You know, if, if you see a culture in Boston which is not going away, I think that a lot more players are going to want to play here but work with the team to win on a, on a consecutive basis. What do you think, Chris? Krejci forever. That's what I think. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have a lot of question marks coming up here in the near future. So I'm, Sweeney might be the one of the best GMs in hockey at re-signing his own players. Oh, I agree. I absolutely Especially agree. Especially at the numbers. Like, Pasenak obviously could get way more than he got. Bergeron, Marshawn. And I think that's the threshold where they don't want people to go over. Krejci's also over right now. Rask is over. But those deals are done prior to dawn. So, you can't really hang that on him. Right. Krug's going to be the interesting one right now. What, what's he end up at? Does he come back? He sounds like he wants to come back. He's eager, but I think he wants to get rightfully paid at the same time. And it, as, he, as he should. For sure. He deserves it. You know, he, he deserved walking on that market and getting eight, nine. I, I don't have a problem with giving a 60, 70-point defenseman uh, those, those types of numbers. But, you know, if he wants to stay and, he, you know, doesn't want to rename his dog because it's Fenway, uh, you know, <laughs> Take take the discount. You know, everybody else is doing it. They're setting the standards. I think, you know, if Tory wants to win and, and be a part of this for the long term, I think that he should too. But he also has the right as a human being and a, and a, and a member of the working society to go out on the free agent market and see what he can get. Uh, I'm not sure who his agent is, but in my past experience, um, it's been somebody pretty new. So uh, not like Alan Walsh or, or, or anybody else. So I'm not really sure how much they're going to be pushing on their end. 
uh, as much as Don is going to be to, to, to embed that, you know, if you want to win, you got to take a, a, a little bit of a cut so we can make things happen, not just for one season, but the longevity of, of most of these guys career. Well, it's funny because all the naysayers, I always sit and say, he's too small. That's the biggest knock on Krug. But to those naysayers, I say, when Raymond J. Bork talks to you in high regard for your defensive play, you pay attention. Yeah, man. He said, I mean, Ray Bork went out on, on record and said that Tory Krug is one of the, I don't know if he said a number, but best defenseman in the league right now. And that, that, I mean, right there, you'd think, oh, Jesus, Ray, I love you. I love your insight and your knowledge into defensemen, but don't jack the price up. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but That's not, a downfall of that. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it, Ray's, Ray's just got so much talent. He, he did so much good in this city and, and well, by far my favorite defenseman. I mean, anything that I have to do with Twitter, um, Instagram, anything, it's got a 77 in it. Cause I, I you know, as a, as a, as a former goaltender, you respect the guys in front of you like that and the way he worked and continue to grind under some certain situations that, you know, a management were allowing for so many years. This is pre salary cap folks for the uh, younger folk. Um, you know, it's just the restraints that he was under as a, as a player and a leader and so on. So, and obviously he, you know, wanted to win and, and took it elsewhere to, to make it happen. So um, if he's talking about a certain somebody, then this, you know, I, I think Tory's a good defenseman, you know, and the, the balance between what you're talking about, Chris, is him being smaller and so on is, all right, he's a smaller defense and he's mobile. He can get out of his own quickly. He makes fast decisions, but when everybody's in the big bad Bruins, you know, mentality all the time and they're like, Oh, we need, we need Adam McQuaid. We need this and that. Well, you know what your yearly points are from that guy? 20. No, you know what I mean? To mention. So, sorry to cut in, but I was at game one of the finals versus the blues and I saw that no helmet hit live. <laughs> I don't want to hear anybody ever say anything about his size again. That was probably the last no-helmet hit the NHL will ever see. Dating it's, back to Craig I've, McTavish. I, I've, never, right. I, I've never heard the building that loud. He can, he can carry his own when he's mad. He's just not – he doesn't play angry all the time. Right. right. Absolutely. And that's uh, so much validity to what you just said and, and what kind of defenseman he can be when he wants to be in your face and, 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 and play that type of style, you know. So, I mean, every player is a gamble. You know, you're going to get what you get out of certain players and you're not going to get what you expect out of everybody else. Everybody is a critic, and I understand that people have opinions, but, geez, I mean, how many – I mean, there's handfuls, just a small handful, actually, of, of defensemen that put up numbers like him, especially on the power play. And the, and the Bruins have always had a decent power play throughout – I mean, I want to say in the past 10 years it's been really good. I'm not judging my numbers or anything like that, but – um, moving on to another topic, this one's, uh, this one's interesting for me. It is the, um, the NHL is pushing to seriously have a draft next month. And I know I brought this up on the, on last week's episode a little bit, but I didn't really dive into it. And now that I have members that are on the program with me, I'd like to see what your thoughts are, but, um, a June draft, nothing's been set in stone if anything's going to happen with the 
the the rest of the season or playoff because of this COVID crap. And I, I don't know the the absolute logistics of the anything about what's you know. But I, I'm just it's all hearsay right now. But is a June draft good in your eyes without having any standings finalized or any playoff? Um, you know one through eight and, and your wild cards all, and all that crap set, but you want to have a draft before you cancel or, or continue the season. Your thoughts on this, Chris? Uh, how can you do it? I, I, it's not feasible. You don't, like you said, you don't know where the standings are. Worry about getting this season done before you worry about what's going down on the future. To me, it doesn't make any sense at all to have a, a June draft where, What's the pecking order for um, for the picks? You're just going to put everyone's logo in a hat and, and pick it up, and this is, and you know that's where you do it, like they did with uh, with Crosby, right? Remember back in the day, but they didn't have a season that year, and it was up in the air for everybody to get that pick. And and you know if they do that, the Bruins aren't going to get a high pick, so they shouldn't anyways right now because they're the best team in the league when they were when we left off, right? And I wouldn't say it was a runaway, but for a lot of teams, it's not even close. So, Luch, why don't you jump in on this with a with a with a comment before I get to uh, something that Elliot Friedman said? I I, I think uh, what I was thinking wasn't even that was more these you're not you're not getting what you paid for in the sense that these college kids can't get ice time. They haven't played for months now. They haven't finished developing, so do you, you, you don't know what you're picking at this point almost. You don't know who's slacking off, who's staying on the grind. Uh, there's a lot, and you don't know how long the stoppage is going to be. I think we need to finish hockey first and get, uh, get the future draft picks uh, at least on ice because you can't even go and get any ice anywhere right now. No. Good point. No, absolutely not. Um, but I will say this, that this was an interesting, uh, article that came out today from Elliot Friedman and that was on sportsnet.ca's, uh, Elliot said there's a big week coming up for the NHL on Monday. There's a conference call with the board of governors to discuss the possibility of an early June draft, likely June 5th or June 6th. Uh, while the hockey people hate the idea, the governors may be more inclined to accept Commissioner Gary Bettman's stance that this is a necessary move for business reasons. We'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, it's, I, there's got to be some serious logistics that these guys are thinking about and, and how it's going to be beneficial to, to everybody. But to go back on what you were talking about, Luchador, that is a very valid point that um, the NHL central scoutings have had guys out doing their due diligence on these younger players that are draft eligible and even not draft eligible, but they're doing their rankings accordingly from the early rankings in, in October, the mid rankings in January, but they never got out to get a final ranking. Um, but, and I know that there's a lot of folks out there that because of what's happening, they always say that the eye test is the best thing. Uh, video is the second best thing when you're dealing with pandemics like this and you have to stay home and still continue to work and still put together a, an extensive uh, scouting list as the NHL does every season with their, their, um, their, their scouting um, you know, rankings. So 
Uh, it, you're absolutely right. Um, anything could change with these players. Uh, and when you're not working out, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming they're working out, but like you, to your point, Luchador, it, there's no ice. They're not getting their repetitive ice time. They're not stretching their legs all the time. It's a difference between going in a weight room down in your basement because your parents make millions um, or getting on the ice. It, that's a huge difference, and I get that. And, but and, um, and you're going to find out who has self-discipline and who doesn't because, I mean, for the first time in the whole kid's life, this is the longest time they've gone without anyone telling them what to do. Yeah. The pros well, at this level just go from what they're doing to summer hockey back to winter hockey. You know, they're playing year-round. This is, uh, for me, this is a great topic to point something out. Is like if that happens and it, because you haven't been able to get the eye test, you've been doing video, you've been doing reading, and you've been listening to other scouts in the area, this is where you don't set huge expectations for um, a, a draft pick that you might select uh, on default freaking terms like that. what could be. Um, you know, you might keep them in college. You might uh, keep them in the AHL for another year because, like you said, they're going to need that development. They're going to need to continue to get back on the horse from uh, skating on a daily basis. Um, hold everybody back. I mean, even though Alex Lafreniere is a, is a going to be a potential first-round pick, I don't believe that he should just go right to the NHL with this work stoppage right now. You know, I think that it benefits him to go to the – and, and the organization to go to play one year of minor pro and then, and then go from there. Just like what the Bruins are doing with Jack Stanika. They did not rush with him, and I appreciate that because you're seeing Jack's game build and build every year, every level. It's been unbelievable to watch him in Oshawa and then move over to Niagara, listening to guys like from Dom Tiano to even our, our friend – Chris Mancuso, Chess Salad King. That guy freaking watched a ton of OHL hockey and Jack Sednica. So, I mean, these guys know what they're talking about, but it's just – you can't rush them. I'm not a fan of the, of the um, uh, you know, let's get him in the NHL right, right, right as he steps away from the podium. It's crazy. Thoughts, Chris? I just keep going back to this whole draft situation and where you're going to put the teams – it's just mind blowing to me, and it's funny you mentioned uh, discipline, uh, Luchador. When you know our keg line is uh, anything but, so <laughs> I can tell you we're not skating right now. I know from experience. Oh, I've already gained twenty pounds. It's bad. <laughs> but yeah, Stud Nicker is—he's pretty much about ready, isn't he? You think? I would say next season. Honest to God, next season, regardless of what happens in here, obviously he'd be one of those top picks to be a, a black ace and hang around like he did throughout the whole playoffs last year. He stuck around for the whole thing and, and continued to work out. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's got a permanent spot next year. And with the draft – I'm sorry, the draft. With the, um, the salary cap staying at 81.5, I see somebody like – um, Joachim Nordstrom not coming back. I see. Um, let me see. I'm looking at cap friendly right now, and I mean, I maybe even if they could buy out Parlin home, I mean, it, it, it's not much cap space that you're saving. I mean, Par makes eight hundred fifty thousand dollars for one more year, but it's that roster spot and um, 
apologize for the Harleys that are going by. It's, it's hot in this office. So I had to open a window. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're under so much cap restraints right now. And I think by, by letting go of somebody at 850 and creating a roster spot for somebody at 925, I know it doesn't make much sense, but you're, you're, avail- you're, you're um, adding a roster spot for a Jack Sidnika who, who has the potential to play center and the wing. I don't like the idea of him on the wing. I want him up the middle, but um, yeah, I mean, anything could happen. I mean, if the salary cap was going up to 84 and 88, like, like it was projected, we'd be in like a whirlwind of like an awesomeness right now, but this freaking Corona crap had to come in and hit us. Very frustrating to me because I was two days away from going to the hockey game. I know. I, and I haven't the- gone to a Bruins game in over a decade. You want to talk about the kick in the face? That was right March, March 13th. Against Toronto, yeah. Against Toronto, Saturday night, right? Saturday night, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna meet you guys in Boston. Yeah, that, I wasn't gonna go to the game because I'm not cool enough. But um, I was gonna go and have beers and, you know, hang out with the Lucha or maybe jump in the we'll, back. We'll, like, oh. we'll have to get a big trench coat <laughs> and just uh, sneak you in that way, like uh, the Adams family. Don't don't feel bad. I traded my tickets to the Tampa Bay Lightning game so I could go to the Blue Jackets game. Oh, Jesus. So friends that were flying into town. So, and wait a minute. Then, Did the Tampa Bay game actually happen? That happened. Oh. That was, I think, the last home game. I was like, no, I'm all right. Oh, that was a good game, too. I was not all right. I was not okay. Hey, before we get uh, to our next topic, uh, I just want to uh, throw out this uh, quick um, ad read, and it's an audio one from – Celtics great Cedric Maxwell talking about a fantastic program, a, a product. We'll be right back. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss in this Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105. And that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. All right, we are back. That was uh, Cedric Maxwell dropping those in from now on. Going to help out this this company, um, fantastic company by the way, and they do awesome uh, exercise stuff and everything else. So hopefully you uh, you know check it out, and if you're staying in in quarantine, and why not work out? So uh, go to that website that Cedric mentioned and um, buy yourself a nice piece of equipment and help support the show. Um, <laughs> this is a funny one. I'm not sure if, if Luchador, do you remember him? I know Chris Blackie will, uh, but KHL News came out this morning, and I was scratching away at anything to talk about Bruins related. But 
KHL news this morning. Old friend Alexander Koklachev was traded today per the KHL Twitter and Mark Diver, of the Pro- former, formerly of the Providence Journal, now of the Rinkside Rhode Island.com website. So believe it or not, he is 26 years old and he's still Bruins property. <laughs> you got Luchador, do you wow. remember him? Um, was that the one who was complaining in Providence for a little bit that said he should have been a Bruin by now and this and that, and he was a first-round pick? And he second. was mad he was still – oh, second-round pick, and he was mad he was still in Providence. Yep. I remember hearing about him complaining, but that's about it. So yep. good to see he's done so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was not happy with his nine games in, in, in the NHL. And this was at a time when Claude Julian was uh, operating the, the bench for the Boston Bruins. And uh, in my honest opinion, just from somebody that watched, watched him thoroughly uh, with the wins of Spitfires in the OHL coming over to the Providence Bruins and watching all of his games in Providence, I mean, AHL player, point per game, maybe even a little bit more. NHL time, whoa, what happened? You didn't even, you didn't even show anything to, the, to, the, to Coach Julian that you want, were going to stay. I just think that – and I get the whole narrative of about um, Julian not wanting to play younger players too. I mean, that's a, that's a hot topic when the article dropped from our blackandgoldhockey.com writer – Pat Donnelly, he wrote that this morning after the news. Um, but he's still under protection from the Boston Bruins, even though he's playing the KHL. One more year, 27 years old, he's done. Um, do you, ha- you guys happen to see any uh, – we'll start with Chris. Do you happen to see a return of Kokolchev? And due to the cap restraints, do you think that he might be an asset or just somebody that we should stop talking about? I'm actually somewhat convinced – if Cassie was the coach when he was around, he would have fit in well with the Cassie system. Whether He'd be very well he, in Providence. Whether he would have made exactly. Who was his coach at that time? Bruce Cassidy. There you go. <laughs> I wasn't being a smart ass. I'm just saying. No, that. I know. No, yeah. I know. That's and I think maybe it was me and you had a conversation way back about Bruce Cassidy was familiar with the team going into it because a lot of the younger players he coached in Providence. So um, I would take a shot at it. Why not? Bring him in for training camp, see what happens. Worst case scenario, does it work out? So be it. Luchador. Uh, I, I don't I don't care for him. I mean, what if I can remember right, I, I have terrible timelines, but at the time when he was saying those things, he was a top scorer, at least on the team, right? Yes. On uh, the Providence Bruins? All right, yep. I'm just trying to remember. Um, well, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there so you go. I don't care. I don't like your attitude. I don't care. So, Lucia, let me, let, me keep you, let me keep you in the conversation, all right? Thoughts on Peter Solarik? I like because, uh, because he said the same thing. Him. He said the same thing too. He wasn't happy with the way he was being oh, used. Oh, see, I didn't. And know he got that. forty games. He got forty games, and he is he's uh um 
Let me look real quick on Cap. See, Cuddly. I didn't know that. I'm not. I don't think anybody is as in depth into the Providence knowledge as you are. But uh, Peter Solarik is right. a restricted free agent after this current season. 24 years old, and he's already hinted around talking to Swedish hockey league teams, which I think is probably a backup plan because if he doesn't get any NHL time, uh, he can go right to the uh, SHL. So. Solaric mentioned that um, he was waiting for no, – Solaric was waiting for Cassidy to notice him making a mistake and then sending him down to Providence. He was tired of going up and down 95, um, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to secure a roster. Um, hold on one second. Hello. Hello. <laughs> So that's my house phone, and I get one call a month, and that was it. <laughs> Talk about that was time. My one call a month. What a good time. Um, I wish I didn't know that. Some things are better <laughs> left unknown because I like them. I think it's all about attitude, and I hate when someone, uh, if you feel that way, just keep it between you and your agent or you and the team. Try to get it figured out because that, that statement just sucks for both teams. For your AHL team that you're playing with now, you're saying that you're better than everybody you're playing with, and then you face it. I just don't like it. And then the same thing to the NHL team: you you want a fourth liner's job. Just go about it quietly, earn your spot. It's the NHL. There's only so many spots. Yeah, one percent. One percent of anybody makes the NHL. That's crazy numbers. And, and the fact that. Uh, no one had any interest on Alex anyway. They, he could have been traded to a different NHL team. By Draft him. pick. Even a seventh rounder would have been Anything. sufficient. And no I one's taken him. So. I wonder if Donnie has even put him on the trading block legitimately. Well, Chris, I, I believe, like I said, he's going to be – his rights are going to be done at 27. So Don still has time to, like, move him. Maybe even at this draft that supposedly going to happen uh, next month, early next month. Who knows? He might even garner something. I know with, when looking at Cap Friendly again, go to CapFriendly.com. Best place for the Cap info. Um, you know they have. Uh, they won't get a fourth rounder for him. I mean, if if the seventh round spot was open, then I could see that probably possibly happen. But I don't see a return at all. I think we all know and the Bruins know that the uh, Shalaric adventure is pretty much over here in Boston. Yeah, when you say stuff like that, it's almost like you're, you want to leave. And I always said that Shalaric might have a better opportunity with the, the, the forecast in front of him and the, and, the, and the bottleneck of these prospects that are uh, knocking on the door of NHL rosters that he's going to have a better opportunity somewhere else. So. I would have just kept my mouth shut like Luchador said and just like, you know, ride the wave, dude. If you know, I know you want to be an NHL, but don't be a jerk about it. This uh this is kind of interesting that you guys might find uh, I found it interesting anyway, because I find Dominic Tiano a very, very uh knowledgeable writer and he watches the OHL really thoroughly, and he knows the prospects and so on. But listen to this. He tweeted this today. <laughs> this will get nothing but hate, but, hey, never stopped me before. How I handle the NHL draft. One, cancel the 2020 draft. I mean, that's pretty easy. 
Two, players get rolled into 2021 draft. Three, raise draft to age 19. That's, that's intriguing to me. That might be an article idea. Four, any 2020 picks traded become 2021 traded. So everything shifts over. Any uh, uh, what the compensation picks and so on. Five, for 2021, only draft nine rounds. So you open it up two more rounds. That's, that's an interesting little scenario there. I like that what Dom, Dom said in a couple of those things. What do you guys think? It just sounds like it's a cluster to me still. You think I it's going to bottleneck into next year? I think so. I just keep getting hung up on the, on the standings things. I, I like can't let it go for some reason. Yeah, that it's makes like sense. It, it's, like, it's like it did me dirty, and I'm frustrated about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't care. I, I don't know how that – I don't think that's it. My boy Lucha Joe just wants hockey back. That's all. I just I just want hockey back. <laughs> I just I, – I don't want to force it. The NFL draft was different because their season was done. You know, they got lucky in that sense. Uh, I, I'm, you know what? I'm taking up Chris's fight from here on out. I'm standing with his cause, you know. Uh, until we find out the standings, until they figure that out, no draft. All right. All right, let's move on to another interesting topic. One of my other favorite, besides at Chris Blackie, underscore, I'm sorry, besides on Twitter, at Chris underscore Blackie, and at Bruins Luchy Door, which is my two probably favorite Bruins uh, Twitters. See it pumping, pumping the tires. <laughs> I, I, I can feel my feet get rising off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So according to Cap Space, at Bruins Cap Space on Twitter, the Bruins have $18 million in Cap Space to work with uh, after the Halak signing. What do you guys think players should get moving forward? I have a little list here that I did, and my Amesbury math is not so good, but I calculated it out to $17 million. So, which leaves probably like one million left over for uh, just you know a little buffer. But uh, if you want me to go through the list, I will tell you that I think Jake DeBrusque should get three million. I think Anders Bjork should get two million. Zdeno Chara come in at two million again this season, or he be he's he's a nice guy and takes the veteran minimum at one million. Tory Krug, seven million flat. Matt Grizzlick raised to three million dollars. That's seventeen million altogether. I'm not even considering who the RFAs in Providence are right now. Um, the Zach Senishins, the Solarics, all that. I'm not even considering. What I'm talking about right now is the NHL roster and what we look at for an outs a, a landscape moving forward. What do you guys think about those numbers? Uh, is that too far fetched? Because the way that Halak took that deal for two point two five, that leaves a very friendly eighteen to to work with. Chris, why don't you go first? Oh, oh sorry. I, I like the numbers right across the board. I, I've been saying with Krug for me to be comfortable, six and a half to seven, somewhere in that in that range. I don't think if he goes a little over Bergeron, I don't think Bergeron's really going to care. Bergie doesn't seem like he's that type of player. 
no, it's not a dollar I, value when it comes to that locker room. It's a family. To me, the other than Krug, obviously, is your number one piece this offseason. To me, the interesting person becomes DeBrusque at that point. Because I think DeBrusque has, has left money on the, on the table this year. He's been a little bit inconsistent like he always seems to be, but he's streaky. So it's hard to get a real gauge on Jake DeBrusque. Everyone's going to go back to that draft. I'm kind of tired of talking about it. Personally, it is what it is. You know, people are going to keep clamping down because of the players that came after. But I, if I remember, I think the Bruins thought that they were going to move up in that draft. And I think yeah. they're going to get caught, up, caught off guard and they just weren't ready. I think Noah Hannafin was a target at that time. Right. But I like the numbers. I see nothing wrong with that. They're all feasible for sure. I mean, you're going to lose a few people. That's just the nature of the beast. But overall, I'm in. Nice. Lucha Joe, what do you think? Those are great numbers. I hope that's what we get. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of uh, crew getting $8 million. Uh, he may be worth it, but he's not worth it here if all the first line's making six-something. Uh, I... You know, I don't mind you make more than Bergeron, but $8 million, Bergeron, uh, what's Bergeron make right now? Six, seven, six, five. Six, seven, pastas right over there. Six, six, six. Right in that area. Yep. Um, Hopefully, Chara signs a deal first and can put some pressure on him to uh, get a team-friendly deal done. Uh, The one I think going is probably DeBrusque, because when he's he's hot, he's really hot. I think you might be asking for four million. We'll see, because he is a second line guy. Um, and with twenty goals last year, twenty something goals in the regular he, season. He's he's basically at this point in his career, he's a little over twenty a game. He's in that neighborhood. Well, not a game yeah. season. If he's getting twenty season, goals yeah. a game, I'm definitely a sign of the. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll take That's you like that. my uh, NHL 20 game last night. I was scoring pretty good, but I had it on like the kid level. There you go. Have you seen the Nashville-Boston war I started online? Oh, my God. Oh, that was awesome. We got, we got the Preds fan base playing the Bruins fan base. McLeod Dude, I had such that. a bun on last night watching that. I had the headphones on, and I'm like watching the games, and all of a sudden I'm just like, I can't watch this anymore. I put the PlayStation on the big screen and started playing as I'm listening to, to those guys play. It was oh, awesome. Yeah, I watched it the night before. I was having a blast. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Zdeno Chara. Um, and we, we, we did talk about his number and what I kind of think that he'd come in at, or hopefully even a, a million dollars shy of that on a cap-friendly deal uh, to extend his playing career here in Boston. But um, do you think what he has what it takes to go another year or two, even though that the, the cap per Elliott Friedman – doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like it's going to go up, and I'm I'm very high on Elliot and what he says. I, I think that his his words are gospel next to um, you know Darren Dreger and Jeff Merrick and all those guys. Um, he seems to think that this 85, 81.5 could stay for like an extra two seasons after next year because of this what happened in the pandemic and how much of a a financial burden it really has put on this league. And, and each individual organization as, as a business. So moving forward, I just don't see the cap going up and even, I hate to say it, probably going down. 
it's, and that's a, that's a tough thing to say for me when you, when you need to address, but you need to address that right wing, that right wing side and, and situations like this are not going to help that. So this is when you need to like really look in, internal and try to find that right winger. And I don't see it in Zach Senesh and I'm a huge fan of Senny, but I don't see it coming through the system. Chris? Seems to be a revolving door on their second line right wing. I mean, we're going to have a podcast just about that. Like it lasts about three or four hours. Couldn't yeah, wait. exactly. And it's frustrating for me being a Krejci fan. It's like, come on, give him someone, please, anybody. You know, it's, it's – you would think by now it would have been addressed, the right wing situation. It, it reminds me of the old Bruins days. Remember back in the day when they were always one player away? You know what years I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I do. But th- that was also a generation where an owner just didn't want to pay anything. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, I mean, it was just – it was. I mean, you came to Boston to be part of the original six and one of the oldest franchises in the – you know, that's like a notch in your belt. It wasn't, it wasn't to come here for championship thoughts. Though, I mean, Jeremy owned this team since 1975, and he's, he's only been responsible, in my opinion – when the salary cap happened and then he knew that to win, you have to spend up to up to the ceiling to get anything mm-hmm. to happen. So, and, Oh, that's another whole subject right there. Chris, we can go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, I l- generally I like where the team's going. I mean, it's a, a place where you want to be based on the culture in the core. And uh, going back to that recce interview, he, I had asked him, I believe it was in the mirror, and one of us asked him, you know, you get the trade to Boston, what's your reaction? And he laid on the line what Boston meant to him. And he, that's coming from a player, so he's got more insight than I do on that situation. And coming from Tampa Bay. Yeah. Which is exactly. no slouch. It's not like going from uh, Phoenix to, to Boston. It's like – you're going from one elite team to the next, which which ultimately had the the, the best playoff series. I mean, I oh tattoos, tattoo. I mean, I got, I got <laughs> this is my 2015 Stanley Cup. This is the first one ever cup I've ever seen live. I was born in '75. I missed '72 by three years, so it was just unbelievable. And and for him to be a part of that, and for him to hear that on you, for him to be on your show talking about. That experience, the locker room experience, was just amazing. I mean, you guys just absolutely killed it on that program. It, it was it was a fun time. It, it was one of those situations, and, and you know, being a podcaster, it flowed. Everything just flowed perfectly for us. Yeah, I was going to say, there was very little pauses. He fit right in. No one was talking over each other. It, it, it was a situation where, like I told Mark – prior to you jumping on with us me and Anna have been together now for just under 30 episodes and that was the first time that we uh we planned anything we had a a pre-meeting that night to make sure we had everything in order which is something we have never done i've never done on any podcast i just let it flow because to me i think it sounds better that way you get you get raw emotions that way more so than just a structured conversation but I noticed when we were doing the interview, we stay within that structure, 
but you got a lot of questions that branched out. That's what you're hearing. So the structure is there, but we branched out quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so another topic, um, and this one, Paul, I, I wasn't born. I don't know if Blackie was born, and I pretty much know that Mr. Luchador wasn't born yet, but the NHL Network and the Boston Bruins are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1970 Stanley Cup Bruins team on March 10th, 2020, which um, is a week away from today. They are going to show the games, I believe, and also the, the Bruins are going to be doing some kind of um, fun thing, that, which is obviously social separated, which sucks. But um, I do want to read a bit of the, um, the press uh, release. Um, Boston Bruins announced today, May 3rd, a series of uh, initiatives to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the 1970 Stanley Cup. Most of the Bruins' reoccurring content will be giving a 1970 theme, along with additional new original content celebrating the historic team's accomplishment, accumulating in the airing of the 1970 Big, Bad, and Bobby on NHL Network on Sunday, May 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Fans can also enter special Bruins fundraising raffle uh, to win a one-of-a-kind Bobby or the goal replica. It looks like a little trophy. It's all. I mean, I the, saw the, that. Yeah, isn't that badass? Yeah, I I'd love to have that in the cave right here. But um, yeah, you can. The benefits organization is uh, for first responders and all that's going on right now. The Bruins, the NHL Network, and, and, and honoring the 1970 team are doing something really good to to bring it back to the people that are really fighting on the front lines these days when everything is just scared to go out and do anything. Um, but you can go to the Boston Bruins website and uh, find out information on that. Go to the Twitter handle, more information on that and the Facebook handle. Um, everything's going to be detailed links to um, donate links to um, get uh, tickets, uh, raffle tickets and so on. It's just a really cool thing. And I'm looking forward to next Sunday, but um even though that we weren't born in 1970, am I right? We weren't around, right? No, no, I'm, I'm 87. I'm, I'm a oh, couple. I'm you're a the couple youngest years. one here, Luch. I thought you were the oldest yeah. one. No, no. <laughs> 86, you said. 87. Oh, 87. Oh, good grief. My youngest sister <laughs> is uh, is your age. Jeez, yeah. I was 75. I'm. I'll admit it. I'm a 78. Ah, okay. So, see, I knew Chris. See, that's how we get along so well. So we know all the all the good stuff that happened way back in wait, the day. Wait, wait till I get the system and we take over with the Greybeards team. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we should do that. Everyone's Greybeard <laughs> podcast. I have three go. gray hairs on my beard, I'll have you know. I lost, count. I lost count at a thousand. I got three. My, my, my hair is so gray, my uh, wife tells me to uh, dye it all the time. I tell her if it weren't for you, I have my natural hair color. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you can imagine how that goes over when that happens. Right. Yeah. Just uh, I, I give so well. That's funny. Um, another topic to, uh, to end my list of topics. I, I know we got some uh, listening to questions. We got a few uh, hashtag ask B and G's we will go over but this was this was one that that um, 
a lot of people started writing about shortly after the Bruins did their um, Zoom call when all of them got together from the 2011 team to uh, watch the game, talk about their experience 10 years later. Um, but when Timmy Thomas was showed up to that and, and participated and seemed to have some fun, looked like he was indulging in a little bit of wine, just like everybody else. I mean, Luch looked like he was shit-faced. You know, and not Luchador, Luch. Yeah, the original Luch. The original Luch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a lot of things after that, when he opened up and he, and he was talking, and he seemed to um, be in a better place than he was prior when the media kind of attacked him and, and made him out to be a, a bigger, you know, villain than anything else. But to come to find out later on, it was, it was just meant, it was mental issues. Um, so... Do you guys think that Tim Thomas, number 30, should be in the rafters? And why? Boy, that's a tough one. Because I, the reason why I'm asking, I'm getting two perspectives here. I'm getting Luchador that was born in the 80s, mid-80s, and we're getting history from you and I, Chris, because we also know a number 30 that played and, and did – a significant role in winning two cups. Mm -hmm. So, Luch, the new guy, why don't you go first? Um, it, it's hard because he pretty much stood on his head and, and won us some of those, a lot of those games, uh, a lot, especially the game sevens on that uh, cup. Um, but it's we're not the Celtics. The Celtics retire everybody. We have very few uh, numbers retired throughout our whole history, and we're one of the oldest teams. Um, and then that opens a floodgate. If you get Thomas, then you have to do Chara and Bergeron, and then maybe Marsha. I mean, well, two I'm of very, those are given at this point. I'm, I'm very. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm very selective. And I would have Bergeron and Chara, and my Thomas would be on the fence. Yeah, I mean, with, with Chara and Bergeron, you could bet like a million you're going to walk away with probably, you know, 900,000 because it's such a guarantee those two are going to be in. Absolutely. For me, I don't think I'm there for him with retiring his jersey, but I want the Bruins to do some type of a ceremony for him. Similar like they did with Rask and Halak, make something up. I don't care. But it's time for, in my estimation, for Thomas to come home and let the fans show him how they appreciated what he did for the Bruins. That's yeah. where I'm at on that situation. Yeah, I mean, he should be honored. I absolutely. I mean, the guy had a, a nice stretch at the end of his career. Um, you can make a case for anybody else too that had tough times at the beginning of their NHL time by and 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 flourish later on, especially goaltenders. Goaltenders are always ones that that kind of peak later on in life. Uh, and fortunately, he peaked at the right time. I wasn't a huge fan of his. Yes, uh, I, I, you know, being the the last pick in in such a draft by the Quebec Nordiques and not signing and not playing and go over Europe. I, I respected him for keep trying and keep grinding and so on. Uh, but when the Bruins made that, that inkling that they were going to bring him and sign him, I was just like, wow. I mean, there's other goaltenders you should really be looking at. But kudos to the scouting back then. They saw something in him, 
and, and the way he was playing over in a different league, bigger ice, everything's a little more wide open and so on. And he got a contract out of the deal, which is good. My point is with the whole thing with, you know, the, the Cheevers argument is I think Cheevers had a better career overall. Uh, different time, I get it. I get the whole narrative and so on. And he's got two Stanley Cups. Now, I understand that Stanley Cups and goaltenders don't necessarily automatically get you in because Rogie Vachon had to wait 30 years, 30 years since he retired to get his call to the hall. And he had three or four. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's three. So that whole thing is different. But when we're talking about numbers in the rafters, make it, make it a duel, in my opinion, and, and honor them both. If you're going to only do one, I wouldn't do it just for Timmy's heroic uh, 2011 cup run uh, at the end of his career. And then, I mean, it's just not enough time for me. And, you know, everything nowadays when you talk about Stanley, I mean, I mean uh, Hall of Fame and, and retired numbers, it's all derived on numbers. And I didn't think that Thomas particularly played great. But then the team in front of him wasn't playing great either. So, and that all came together when – Peter Shirelli came on board. He started putting pieces together, the Chris Kellys, the this and that, and, and, and the Hortons. And, and, and finally, you know, in 2011, I, I got to see my first cup. So It's funny seeing Thomas being such a late bloomer because I used to watch him play when he was in Vermont. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I, uh, I was a fixture down at the Whittemore and uh, Lively Snively for like 20 years. Nice. So I saw a, a tons of – college hockey games back then I was really into it this is way before Twitter and I don't think we even had internet at that point actually <laughs> but funny. um it's funny for me because uh, you know my uh hatred towards uh anything uh humane uh, hockey because they've tormented me over the years so no one's happy that Jeremy Swayman is now with the officially with the Bruins not with Maine nothing makes me happier than that I'm the happiest person on the planet for that for that to happen. So as soon as he left Maine, you were just like, I'm I'm all in on Swayman now. Oh yeah, well, well I always knew he was good. I mean, I dreaded it. It's like I wanted him to do good, but at the same time, I kind of wanted him to get lit up, but not so bad that he uh, loses his confidence. It was a true double-edged sword watching to go down <laughs> every uh, weekend. Oh, uh, the NCAA Maine battles and 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 UNH and geez, those were always great. Um, uh, more Santa Alphon, uh, Alfie Michelle. I'll, I'll never forgive him. Never. Yep. yep. And he's a, actually Alfie Michelle was the uh, uh, goaltending coach for UMaine right now, and he spent a lot of time with Jeremy, along with uh, Mike Dunham, former uh, yeah. uh, UMaine alum and NHLer himself. They've spent tons of hours together, uh, bringing this kid up the right way, and it's and it shows because Maine didn't have a great. Uh, recruiting class for the, the last three or four seasons. And, and Jeremy really put that team on his shoulders. Oh, yeah. And worked really hard to get that Richter Award this year and um, ultimately deservingly so signed a three-year entry-level contract. So I'm pumped to see him in Providence. Um, here we go. Here's another thing which just pops up out of the air. With the, uh, the signing of uh, Yaroslav Halak earlier, what do you guys think about – the potential loss of a current goaltender with the Providence Bruins, Max Legacy, who had 
did play very, very well in this system. Um, and I thought that he would have been the cheaper option if Halak signed for bigger money or wanted to test a free agent and got a job somewhere else. I thought that he'd be a great, great cap-friendly option to move up to the NHL. He does have 16 NHL games under his belt with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So I thought if it was going to be uh, anything – you know, anything to do with the with the, the dollar value, he could have been a good asset. But um, obviously, uh, Halak signing creates something different because now you want Swayman and Vladar to be your 1A, 1B. You don't want to carry three goaltenders in, in the uh, American Hockey League, especially a, a veteran like uh, Legacy. So thoughts on potentially losing Legacy? And did you guys uh, happen to see any of his games this year? I saw a couple of his games. He was he was like really standing on his head for most of the games I did see him play. I like what what he represents down there. He's got veteran presence for the younger people in that, and he's a good role model. He's a good role model for them to show. Players need to be shown from players who experience it already. Sometimes to be a professional, how to be a professional. And I think when you get someone like him down there, why not? I mean, it would suck to lose him. So hopefully uh, they can keep him around to get whoever they get back in there next year. Because uh, where do you think Swayman's going to end up? In Providence right out, right out of the gate? Uh, yeah. Yeah? You think he's oh, yeah. Good? So he's going to be, boom, you're in the AHL, and this is where we're at. Yeah, um, just because – the what, what happened with, with Kyle Kaiser, Kyle Kaiser suffered his third concussion in two years. He had two last year with the um, Oshawa Generals before coming to Providence and got into some injury trouble, got a concussion, went down to Atlanta, didn't – I think he only played in one game, possibly two games all year, and, and just that was it. His, his first minor pro year – was pretty much a wash due to the head injuries. I kind of think that that's the the avenue that the Bruins are going to go with Kaiser is bring him back down to wherever air quotes wherever the East Coast Hockey League Double A minor pro affiliate of the Boston Bruins is going to be next season because as many many have heard me talk about on this show, this is the last season of their of their one year agreement. So either the, the Boston Bruins go somewhere else for an agreement, re-sign another agreement with the um, Atlanta Gladiators, or I've also heard Mark Diver is very, very good at anything prospect-related, especially the Bruins. He's also mentioned on Twitter, and I've always kept in the back of my head, the Bruins might be have an option to not have a, an affiliate. And what they'll do is they'll spread their prospects. And if anybody knows any about the, the East Coast Hockey League and the Boston Bruins, they don't have legitimate prospects go down to Providence. They do because it's a, like a, a mindset. Like you go down there, you play two or three games, and you're done. There's nobody down there on a repetitive basis. Uh -huh. So like like Vladar and Kaiser are your like big names the last two seasons. Pavel Shen was recently sent down, but he's he's spending his first year in the in North America minor pro. So it's it's like two or three that you get every two or three seasons. It's not like a full roster 
of prospects. It, it's very weird how they work, but it more or less, it is a filler system for the American Hockey League. Interesting. Yeah. Thoughts on well, uh, any of that, Luch? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I did not. I did not watch much of uh, Providence this year. I promise you. When we start back up, I will be in that building doing my thing. Um, Wait, the dunk? Worried, huh? Yeah. At the dunk? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to meet up with you. <laughs> we're going to have to do a selfie together. I've already done a Boston Pride game. You know, I'll go to Providence. I need to show Providence some you're gonna get a You're going to get a Providence Bruins uh, peace symbol for the side of your mask? Nice. Abs- absolutely. I can do that. We have the <laughs> time. I know the people. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. That is um, awesome. But I, I have no concern with losing the, the third Providence goalie. I think Halak's deal is cap friendly enough, and you need. Uh, uh, I just, I just love the way Halak pushes Rask. Going back to that, he always does better with someone strong behind him. Rask had two of his best years the last two years that he's had in a while, in my opinion. I'm not a numbers guy. You never trust a guy in mask to do the numbers. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you start talking about Tuka Rask being uh, any type of wreckage or anything like that. It's going to be a long day on Twitter. That's why I said disclaimer. Listen, <laughs> disclaimer. consider the source. If you're... I'll, <laughs> I'll put a freaking disclaimer bar at the bottom. <laughs> Listen, I'm a luchador, all right? <laughs> I don't do numbers. <laughs> I do Jumbotron. Leave me the hell alone. No one bothers me on Twitter. I wonder why. People think I'm crazy. <laughs> well, you well, must I mean, be. You're well, crazy enough you, to come on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. <laughs> when you see someone just walking around in a luchador mask, it kind of raises the level of, like, what in the hell's going on over here? Oh, yeah. How about yeah. a drunk one looking for a cab? Running. <laughs> 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 I've seen a dude years ago get, a po- get arrested for... You're not going to believe this. He was riding a unicycle tanked, and he got pulled over by the cops and arrested for it. Oh, Jesus. No, I believe it. If it's in Boston, I believe it. No, this is up in the sticks up here in New Hampshire. Oh, okay. all right. I would have believed it if you said a triaxle tractor, John Deere or something like that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of cornfields to get to. Right? <laughs> hey, you get your best alcohol out of corn. Ugh. All right, let's get to some um, hashtag ask BNG questions. This is from the Power Play podcast at the Power Play pod. Highly suggest these guys. These guys are funny. Two goaltenders. They're nuts too. Um, thoughts on potential playoff matchups for the Bees. Uh, looks like the season might get started up again within the next month or so. Who do you want to see the Bees face? <laughs> who do you hope they avoid in the first round? This is a tough one because there's no set, there's no set schedule or, or, or set standings right now. We're all like pretty much locked that the average of 68 games in the National Hockey League. So this is such a tough one to answer. Um, and with the rest, with all the, the, the month and a half that we're going through on this quarantine crap, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a very high question. Do you guys have any answers at all? Toronto. 
Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. You want to go want three for again. three for Toronto? Yeah. yeah. Ouch. They spent too much money on the first line. I'll run our second, third, and fourth lines against them all day, any day. So they certainly didn't address the defense. No. It's all Austin Matthews' mustache's fault. They're going down <laughs> the again. I'm not afraid of them. The porn star. You know. And if we can end up facing Vancouver again, I'll take that. Because for some reason, ever since, oh, it's because the game was on Nesson. All I've heard is Vancouver fans chirping. Like, that was <laughs> eight years ago. Get over it. I'm not even that mad, that mad about last year. Get over it. Oh, I'm, I didn't, so, I'm didn't, so salty about last year. I am too. I am too. But I, you know what? We didn't burn too, our city but I'm down not either. Attacking blues fans, yeah. <laughs> when a blues fan uh, chirps me with a Marshan crying pick, I just cry slowly with Marshan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh boy, Chris, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think anyone knows what type of play we're going to have when they return. No one knows the level of where they're going to be at. They may not hit. Mid, even mid-season form until deep in the playoffs at this point. It's really shaky ground. As far as who they play, I really don't care because uh, that just tell me the hockey's back and that's a win for everybody. Exactly. But if there's a team I want in the finals, it's the Blues. I want, I want the rematch. Repeat, huh? I, I want them. I, you got to have it. You got to avenge that game seven. Brings me back to the Pittsburgh-Detroit series back in the day when one won it and the next one came back and won it again. Oh, Oh, won it, you know. I'm so frustrated about the cup loss against the Blackhawks. Oh, 13? That wasn't as bad for me because the Blackhawks were a wagon. They were an absolute tank. They They were definitely a good team, but I still think if Horton doesn't get hurt, the Bruins possibly win that cup. It took That's, a double deflection and triple overtime in game one. I know. Yeah. That I know. And was – I don't know how Bergeron was playing with all those brass boulders on the ice. Yeah. Uh, that was the year he had a punctured lung, a broken rib, and a groin issue, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's still a, a Sulky Award uh, nominee every year. Unbelievable. Hockey player. That's why they, it's called the, the Holy Girl for a reason, people. Exactly. You know that. Listen to Mark Shell, but for those who don't know, that's why they call it the Holy Grail. Absolutely. You're willing to die for it. The next hashtag, AskBNG, this is a kind of a long one. This is from new um, returning writer Mikey D at BNB Black and Gold on Twitter. Number one, does Chara retire? Number two, when does when he does, who fills in his spot? Who would you see? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> BU. I don't get that. See, I think Boston University. Um, partners, McAvoy. Oh, oh, do you see BU partners, McAvoy and Grizzlick reunited? Uh, do you think that that's a possibility? Will they keep Grizz or trade him? Should they look at drafting a goalie uh, with the high pick in this year's draft? Ooh, I'm going to take the last one because – I don't know anything about anything I just read earlier. Hopefully, you guys understand it, but I got the goalie one. You guys think Shower should retire, or or how long does he play for? 
one more year. Uh, I'll take one more year, not two. I think he's still got it for one. And uh, the last time me and you sat and talked, uh, I like I, people call me crazy, but I love uh, Carlo and McAvoy together. Big fan. Interesting. Hmm. Carlo and McAvoy, huh? Yeah, you figure the rest out. I'm not a scientist. I would think that if you put McAvoy and Carlo together, you're almost emulating what Carlo did with Chara's guidance yeah. throughout his thing. So you got another big guy, stay at home, shut down type of player, but with also a smaller, rugged defenseman that has the ability to um, to get out of the zone quickly and make things happen. So it kind of makes sense. I think you- Carlo is really impressive this year. He was, uh, it was between him and Coyle for my seventh player award, if that ever happens. Oh, I was going with Carlo on that one. But uh, would you move Carlo away from Krug when Chara goes? You're going down that path? Oof. Oh, that's a tough I one. I was thinking, if you're talking to me, I was thinking you put, not when Chara goes, but for Chara's last year, you put him with Krug. That way he can get a little bit of a rest on minutes and you have uh, – McAvoy and Carlo on the first line. Oof. I like Man, it. I, I, oh, boy, that's tough. Chara's slow. Chara's the slowest D-man, and Krug's the fastest. <laughs> it's well, an right. well, I know, to, to, well, to me, the reason I think Krug and Carlo work so well is because Carlo can cover up the mistakes from Krug because he's always on the move offensively minded. They blend, they're like yin and yang on the ice. So I think if you're going to put Char with Krug, some of those defensive liabilities could pop up. But you don't think as, his size would make up for it and just tell him to sit his uh, ass in I place mean, and don't go anywhere? <laughs> I still respect Char. He still can do what he does, but he's definitely slowed. He's so, still got that reach. That reach is, is such a huge benefit. It really is. He's playing with a tree, so. Yeah, yeah. You, want, you go around skating on a 200 by 85 foot sheet of ice with a friggin' telephone pole in your hand. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I don't know. As far as Char retiring, I wouldn't bet against, against him not playing ever. He's just going to kind of retire when he feels like it, I think. I like it. Uh, to finish up uh, Mikey D's question, uh, should they look at drafting a goalie with a high pick in this year's draft? Well, the high pick, they don't have a first-round pick at all. And, 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 and the way that history treats this Boston Bruins team, I would not drop uh, a, a high pick on, on a, a goaltender. It seemed to really have a bad taste in their mouth with Malcolm Subban, who was selected in the, in the first round, and it never really panned out. Um, but there are different situations now that Malcolm Subban is not in the system. We do have Mike Dunham that's allowing uh, Bob Asenza to work uh, close together. Uh, there's not one goaltending coach now. There's, there's two. And, and I'm sorry, Mike Dunham tends to fly around North America and the world to get to these guys and show them how to be a pro, teach them how to eat to be a pro, and teach them how to act to be a pro. And not only that, trained to be a pro. So um, the way that the goaltending is trained these days, I have a better feeling than I, than I did when Subban was selected in the first round and his development going through because there wasn't really 
that guy around all the time. Uh, Asenza was not making – he would make the trips down to Providence in 95, but you, you, there was no goalie coach. So there's nobody like to, to, you know, jump on your back and learn from and, and guidance and so on. So I think that they have that now that you might get away with it, but I still wouldn't do it. I, I, I think you grab Swayman at the fourth round, you grab Vladar at the third round, and Vladar was the second best ranked North, uh, European goaltender in 2015, and they got him in the third. I think that that paid dividends, even though the guy has not played in the NHL yet to still have somebody like that in your system and you're working on them. It's just a, it's just a project in the making and I love it. So hopefully we answered your question there. Mikey D the chess salad King, Mr. Seltzer himself, Chris Mancuso. You can follow him at C Mancuso nine, seven, nine, seven. What do you make of the Halak deal? I know we already talked about it and so on. I think it's a good deal, Chris. I think it's uh it, it, these guys that I'm having on, Luchador and Chris Blackie, have both mentioned that it does give Tuka Rask a better opportunity to be his best as an aging goaltender. You get that 1A, 1B type of um, uh, tandem going on, and it, and it has been doing very good. Uh, we've talked about in the past that the um, the goaltending, having a starter and starting 68, 72, 76 games, is not realistic anymore. So um, we don't – it just seems like the backup goaltender is not going to the Svedbergs, the, La, uh, the Blaine Lockers, and, and all these goaltenders of the past that had high potential and, and just, like, flat, flat when they, when they first got to the NHL. I think everything's different now. So um, I think it's good. We'll see what happens. I mean, this is, like, the best tandem, in my opinion, and I appreciate them. Chris, Man, what do you that's, think? That's a name drop from the past. Blaine, the Loch Ness Monster. The Loch Ness Monster from, uh, was that Superior State? Superior State, State. State yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> wow, I haven't heard that name in quite some time. Oh, yeah, big, big, I mean, got to watch out. I mean, even even Zane McIntyre was one goaltender that came out of North Dakota State that was supposedly being the, you know, the next high-profile goaltender out of the NCAA and flat. It's funny how that works out because years ago there was a goalie. Yeah, Anwin loved this. You and Ann being the goalie. Uh, goalie union, goalie, baby. Goalie union. <laughs> there was a University of New Hampshire goalie named Jeff Levy years ago. Ooh. Who was Ooh. supposed to – he was like All-American. He was the next person. Never heard from him ever in the, in the pros. Yeah. I do remember him playing for UNH. That's like 90 well, – early very early 90s probably in that range yep goalies are a creature a habit as you know yeah we're not never can tell but for me i think you already have the bruins uh goalie of the future already in in the system so i'd rather see them focus on some something else that they need like a right winger exactly i do believe that they do need another goalie in the mix and i would like to see them take a college kid, young age, um, to get him three or four years of NCAA development and get him involved. I'm, I'm, you always want to have a backup plan. And I'm not a GM. I never have been. And I don't claim to be or know anything about it. But when you're dealing with concussions, you always want to, uh, you know, 
when things are in order, when your ducks are in a row, like the duck boats of 2011, roaming the streets of Boston, you're all in a line. But if one of them knocks out, then something's going to happen. And I just, I'm more, I, uh, I hate saying this because I know he's going to overcome it. I have a really good feeling. But if he doesn't, you want to have something in the back burner. Is the concussion issues with Kaiser. Um, hopefully he can come back and, and just recover from this and move on his professional career. But if it doesn't happen, I'd like to see somebody else in the mix and, and um, just to be there, you know. So, and I'm a goalie guy, so obviously, but I won't take him in the first round. I won't even take him in the second round. So you yep. appreciated the play of John Blue back in the day, right? Oh, my God. Oh, my. <laughs> Jesus. Hang on a minute, Chris. Yeah. And he's out of here. Something's up. <laughs> you all right? Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you see that? That's a John Blue oh, no autograph way. puck. <laughs> no way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was given to me I, uh, given from a friend I, of mine I, at the Johnny D's Deli in Amesbury, Massachusetts back in, I want to say I was probably 22, 23. I'm going to have to make a mental note now for the next time when I come on, not to bring up uh, all the players because <laughs> you just might sign some bring out some signed apparel or something. Oh yeah. I look over at this wall right here. I got a ton of stuff that's signed. If you, if you pull out something from like Rod Langway or someone like in that level, like an ally of Frady. No, I'm a goalie guy. Oh yeah, that's true. I'm a goalie guy. So I have Gilles Robert. I have, um, tiny Thompson. Yeah. Uh, no, not, not signed. I'm sorry. Frank Brismick. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a Tiny Thompson friggin' uh, picture, but it's not signed. Um, I I have Johnny Busick, um, Vern Flannon. He was a, a a player rep for the uh, union back in the day when um when the league was trying to screw these players over, and and Cody Howe ended up getting a nice payday before he passed away. But uh, yeah, I got all that crap. I, I, I like your your happy birthday uh, alumni. Uh, articles you put out. Yep, we do. We do. We try to do our best to get one out every day. I'm, I'm going to try to get one for John Carter today. So, oh we'll no, see what, kidding! Yeah, yeah. John Carter's birthday is today. We, we better. This could get very long. Uh, we keep talking <laughs> about some of those old guys. I'm waiting. I'm waiting though for the article for a special K when his birthday comes through. Dmitry Kravaltonov. Oh, Dmitry Kravaltonov. Yeah. Huh? I thought he you were talking about Dmitry uh, Kristich. Richards was a good player back in the he day. He was. Good capital you player. What you doing, You guys going to freaking talk to me? Or you gonna <laughs> I, I only have uh, a couple of obscure old player references. Not that they're <laughs> obscure, but uh, I actually lived down the street from Jay Miller. No oh, way. Legit. All the time. Legit yeah. tough dude. I, I also have a meltdown on uh, the big – I probably got some in two episodes ago when we did the uh, – Rundown of the list that Hags did for the fighters. Yes, yeah. I saw Jay that. Miller had to be on there. I mean, you weren't yeah, talking about he, the guy who was tough as nails. That he, dude had, he a, had a nine chin. Trade. He would just trade off. He wouldn't play any defense. Just you punch me, I punch you. Yeah. Let's <laughs> see so you can take more of them. Oh, That's funny enough. because my buddy doesn't know hockey, and we were at his bar, and my buddy was drunk, and Jay's like, hey, calm down. 
And my buddy goes, who is this old man? So I, had to pull up, I had to pull up YouTube real quick, and I'm like, this is who the fuck this old man is. Don't say anything, like, relax. I'm like, oh, sorry, Mr. Miller. He's like, everything's fine. Oh, <laughs> His fights with John Cordick back in the day were just ridiculous. We're insane. Jesus. I think it was twice or three times in one game one time. Now, back in the day, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for him – Lyndon Byers, Cam Neely, maybe yeah, your two or other three players to be in that lineup and just just rat, run over people. They oh, that yeah. that team was such a wagon when it comes to like physicality, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's fought more Canadians than anyone else to this day. Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it being the freaking biggest rival in in history. Well, the other fighter I liked a lot was. Uh, Stan Jonathan. Yes, absolutely. One of my favorites. He's, a, he's another guy that I wouldn't want to get hit with a right hand from. No, no. Even PJ Stock was one that could could. I mean, he could rabbit punch for a little guy. He could he could stay in there with some bigger players. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of Winsink because of his hair, and he yep. couldn't skate well. So much like myself, <laughs> you can't see my hair, but I have awful hair as well, and I can't skate for shit. <laughs> But I bet you can intimidate a bench, though. Yeah, no, I, uh, my skating days are over when I hurt my leg and my weight doesn't help. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, gravity. Gravity takes everything all, all out of whack. <laughs> I actually tried skating once after I uh, healed my leg up. I was on a pond. I was cruising. I turned back. I was like, look at me. I hit an ice fishing hole. Oh, yeah! Right in the ice fishing hole, went down on my stomach. Yep. Oh, dude. Yeah. I re I re retired after one day. Oh, that's rough. That is rough. All right, boys. Listen, why don't we end that right there? We got about an hour and a half of of, of really good content. Um, wow. I, I yeah, I know that went by fast. I I want to thank Chris Blackie. He is the uh, co-host of the Big Bad Bruins podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Chris underscore Blackie. Also, Bruins Luchador. He is the uh, TD Garden Jumbotron whore. I love calling you that. You- That's okay. <laughs> I don't have a podcast. Just uh, follow me. I'm a brilliant idiot. <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter at Bruins Luchador. Uh, thank you so much, guys. It's been a real honor to have you guys back on again, keeping the content going, keeping the hockey talk going as much as we can. Um, and hopefully the listeners enjoyed this one. This is a really good, really good um, good discussion back and forth. whole lot of nonsense. Still love it, though. But um, thank you, everybody, for listening, tuning in, sharing everything. The Patreon members, you guys have been fantastic throughout this whole ordeal. Um, and we will have these two these two knuckleheads back on because I, I, I really enjoyed this this uh, this podcast and, and, and the ones previous, but it's awesome to have them both on at the same time. Missed out on Mr. Ian Glendon. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's Mr. I want to call him Busy Busy now. He, his hey, new nickname he, is Busy Busy. He's at home eating his oatmeal is what he's doing. Oatmeal. That's what you get, oh. Ian. When you don't show up, a dumbass in a mask takes your spot. There we go. <laughs> I'm speaking for you now. I'm the official voice of Ian. See you later. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. For the Chris Blackie, host of the Big Bad Bruins podcast and the Bruins Luchador, the TD Garden Jumbotron Whore, I'm Mark Allred, and this is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, YouTube members. We really appreciate your your, uh, your 
subscriptions, your likes, and so on. And we will talk to you later. See you next week, guys. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.